Hello, this is Marissa Schaefer, and today I am hosting the first episode of Dancewell Podcast's second season. I've traveled to Midtown Manhattan to talk to Dr. Shaw Bronner at Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. Dr. Shaw Bronner is a physical therapist, researcher, and former dancer. She is the director of the Adam Center, which is a research laboratory dedicated to the study of human movement and dance, examining human movement from many perspectives, including biomechanics, neuroscience, epidemiology, injury, and prevention and rehabilitation. Currently, she directs physical therapy services at Alvin Ailey American Dance Center, where she created and coordinates the in-house program for two companies and over 2,000 students annually. She's also an associate professor at Fordham University and teaches anatomy and kinesiology to the dancers. She has published over 50 articles and abstracts on biomechanics, dance, orthopedics, and brain activity during motor behavior. She presents frequently at national and international forums. Some of her research has included analysis of forces in tap dance, differences between sneakers and hip hop dance, optimization theory and motor learning in dancers, and treatment efficacy in subjects with Parkinson's disease. And you've also, Shaw, done over 20 years of screening for dancers, am I right? Uh, yeah, about that, yes. Yeah. So I'm very pleased to have you here uh, to speak to us about injury rates in dance, injury surveillance, and preseason screening. So again, welcome. Thank you very much. Let's start uh, by talking a little bit about injury. I, I think of dance as a physically and emotionally stressful sport and art form, and as such, I think of injury rate as being particularly high. Um, and in dance medicine, I've heard a lot of talk about injury and injury statistics, and I've seen quotes of injury rates for pre-professional dancers being quoted as somewhere between 0.8 and 2.9 injuries per 1,000 dance hours. So I wanted to ask you if you think this injury rate is accurate, and if so, why? Well, I've looked carefully at how do we define injury, how are injuries reported, and I think this is probably part of the confusion in understanding injury rates in dancers. So first of all, if we look at surveillance by healthcare professionals um, so that uh, it's prospectively uh, data that we collect, um, and so we, we know that we are, we're not trying to rely on dancers' memories. Mm -hmm. I think, and we define uh, injuries, for instance, as time loss injuries, mm -hmm. which is characteristically what is done in sports. Then I think those numbers are pretty accurate. Uh, and in fact, those numbers are quite low compared to other sports, mm -hmm. gymnastics, uh, soccer, hockey, far, far higher. I think gymnastics, as I recall, might have been something like uh, 30 per thousand hours or something crazy. Oh, I wow. mean, so, so or soccer, very high. Mm -hmm. So we are really actually quite low. Mm -hmm. um, now, you have to start to think about when is a dancer feeling not quite right versus when is a soccer player going to say they can't play. Um, so that may be very, very different um, things, animals. Um, however, uh, when you're in a professional company and uh, you're not, you don't want to burn your other company members. So mm -hmm. you are going to go on most of the time, mm -hmm. even if you don't feel quite right. So there's a big discussion going on right now within the dance community, uh, in the dance medicine community as to whether we need to report things that are not time loss like is this the iceberg, the ice that's under the water kind of uh, animal, um, in which case how do, how do we define that? So some of my papers have addressed what I call med medical attention injury mm -hmm. in that the dancer has sought care, gotten a diagnosis, been treated, 
um, and so versus what I call complaints. And so for instance, what I call complaints with respect to our company is they have uh, five hours of physical therapy per day when they're in rehearsal. Mm. And, and there's only 32 of them, so it's not as hard for them to get treatment right. versus if you have, you know, oh, 600 students in a semester and you've only got four hours a day it's a <laughs> yeah, ratio of care is so different. You have to feel like something is at a higher level, maybe to wade through and get to that healthcare professional. Mm -hmm. So those issues of how are we defining things are critical. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, of literature out there that is self-report of the dancer retrospective. Mm -hmm. And even in the sports area, we're trying to get away from that because all of our memories are notoriously right. unreliable. Right. For example, if you ask me what I had for breakfast yesterday, <laughs> I might have trouble in telling you. <laughs> exactly. Um, so just just to be clear on this kind of like continuum, there you're talking about um, a complaint, a musculoskeletal complaint being kind of the lowest level, mm -hmm. and then muscular uh, medical attention injury, and then a time loss. Yes, and that complaint really isn't interfering. So, for mm -hmm. instance, uh, we published a paper where we looked at um, one year within our our first company of these complaints, medical attention, and time loss. And um, obviously the complaints were a huge number because right. they had all of that time to be able to see us. Um, but those were sometimes what we called taking care of business. We actually right. divided them into two categories and that meant, Shaw, can you stretch my, my rectus, my quadriceps or right. my hamstrings and help me with my flexibility? Well, that obviously isn't interfering with their dancing at right. that point. At that point, right. So, did, did that study at all give you an, an understanding of maybe how many people who potentially have medical attention injuries aren't necessarily coming to you? Um, no, because this is now, uh, we just looked at 15 years of injury rates in our first company, mm -hmm. first and second company mm -hmm. actually. And so, it, because I think re you have to go back regularly and see is the program working? Do you need to revamp it? Um, are your injuries stable or are they go the rates going down? Mm. You know, how are you, uh, how do you need to readdress the situation? And um, in, the, in the early years of starting our in-house program, we found that maybe we were not always getting things reported to us mm -hmm. with respect to they're supposed to give us an injury report, we're supposed to evaluate, we see if they need to see a physician or so on and so forth going forward. Um, that stabilized within the first or, sec first or second year. Mm. And so I feel like we're not missing that kind of thing at that this point. Gotcha. So I don't think it's the same. Okay. Um, so for the past about 20 years, maybe a little bit more, members of the dance community have been creating and implementing, I'm, I'm going to put in air quotes, like injury prevention screens that are meant to prevent injury and identify those who are at particular risk. Um, and until your recent publication, Risk Factors for Musculoskeletal Injury in Elite Professional Modern Dancers, a prospective cohort prognostic study, which was... Um, published this year, I haven't seen data reported on screen outcomes being able to identify individuals who've had an increased likelihood of injury. And I just wanted to ask you why you think that is. I think that it's really hard to do research in dance yes. because we are dealing with very small numbers. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have always advocated that we must work together yeah. um, so that we can increase our numbers and increase our validity of what it is we want to look at. Mm -hmm. um, so because I've been at Alvin Ailey for this long period, I have 
I decided when I came in and began to create the program that I wanted to prospectively develop an injury surveillance system and a screening uh, program for the students that then I could really examine this over a number of years. And by doing so, then I could collect, I only have, say, 30 dancers that, or 40 dancers I might screen in any given year. Mm -hmm. But collectively, That's if I look at them over years, that's how I managed to get an N uh, of 20, 200 subjects in this study, which gave me considerable power mm -hmm. to be able to do good, solid statistics. And I think that a lot of times when you're looking at a paper that has 29 dancers and it's retrospective, trying to remember their injuries, you just don't have the, the power to be able to do it. So that's part of the problem. Um, and again, I think we need to become like the NCAA in a way mm -hmm. um, because all the sports teams that participate in the NCAA are using a common database, yeah. are using, um, they're not necessarily using common screens, but they're pretty accepted screens. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think until we come to that agreement, um, we're not going to be able to get the kind of studies we really want and need. Right. And that's kind of what the Dance USA task force is trying to do too, right? That was one of their attempts, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's more for ballet than... No, the Dance USA was meant for professional dancers. Okay. And, it's, and, and I do believe that you have two very different uh, situations. Mm -hmm. um, a pre-professional still is working out a lot of the kinks of, of technique. Mm -hmm. And by the time you have gotten into a professional level company, hopefully you've figured that out. Mm -hmm. And so for instance, a, a critical component of my pre-professional dance screen is looking at dance technique. And mm -hmm. it's ballet based because pretty much in throughout contemporary and modern dance training, you also have to have ballet. You have to have ballet chops. Right. So, and we've just finished a, um, reliability um, study looking at the dance technique that we will hopefully present at a conference soon. Um, but I think uh, they just have different needs. They have growing bodies, different developmental issues. And so I think what you need in a screen for a younger population differs from um, a more, uh, well, I'm not, a mature adult between 18 and 22 who might be your entering professional, professional dancer. Right, right. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit more specifically about screens. Um, in your opinion, are screens and injury surveillance programs beneficial, and why? I think that we don't know what kind of injuries and patterns we have unless we do injury surveillance, mm -hmm. um, and so it's critical. Um, I think injury screens are very useful. Number one, Dance USA, and I was a, I've been on that task force for many years and was one of the three original pilot companies, and nobody was even getting a good past medical history. We mm. were already doing that, but mm -hmm. most of the companies were not. And so if that's all it does, that's golden right there because yeah. you've got to have that. Yeah. It's crazy that nobody was doing this. <laughs> it's just mind-boggling. So first of all, understanding um, what is the history they're coming with um, and so that you can start to then figure out what you need to do going forward. Mm -hmm. That's so, so important. Um, beyond that, I think that uh, injury screens, now this, again, this depends on, of course, whether you're doing the student dancer or the professional dancer, but it's a way for all of those dancers to get to know you, right. to uh, uh, 
lose the, the boundaries between the PT room or the physical therapy clinic and, and the dancers so that you can have a dialogue. Yeah. They can understand what I know um, and we can, we can have this mutual place that's a safe place to, to talk about whatever is bothering them. Mm -hmm. And um, as, as physical therapists well know, we're not always just um, looking at the physical component, but right. um, I think that that, that screening component is is just so so important um, which is then a great way for I think the the physical therapist who's str trying to develop more of a dance medicine um, practice is to start screening because mm -hmm. then they're going to get to know you mm -hmm. um, and so there's a need and um, if you can connect with schools and start it there that's that's a wonderful possibility um, you know, even if it doesn't prevent injury, mm -hmm. those screens are critical for the dancer to get to know themselves. Now, for instance, we assume that the adolescent is screened by the pediatrician, for instance, for scoliosis. Right. And many are not. Right. And used to be, I think, that some of the schools would do it, and it doesn't happen. And so we don't pick up severe scoliosis. We pick up very mild amounts. Mm -hmm. but. Uh, for a dancer who is focusing on posture and alignment, to understand why their back doesn't feel symmetrical is really important for them to know themselves. Mm -hmm. um, we're not pretending we're going to cure scoliosis, right. but it's to understand that, oh, this is why this is. Um, or to understand that, oh, maybe they have a slight leg length discrepancy mm -hmm. or whatever. To know their bodies is to give them important tools going forward. Absolutely. And uh, I was going to get to this a little bit later, but I think this is a good point to kind of ask, like, you, you always do follow-up, right? Always. Um, and so what does that look like for you? Um, I don't make, screens don't make any sense without follow-up right. to me. Mm -hmm. you, they have to know what their results are. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there are two ways that the follow-up can occur. Mm -hmm. You could meet one-on-one -on, -one on the dancer. Well, first of all, a screen can occur t in two ways. Mm -hmm. You could do one, one individual dancer and do a screen on them. Right. Now, mind you, let's define what a screen is. It's meant, it's meant to define to find red flags. It's meant to do an overview, but not look at every single thing. That's an evaluation. That's right. something altogether different. And when we pick up things in a screen, we may say, please go and do a follow-up for this particular issue that I want to check out further. Mm -hmm. um, or you can do a follow-up that, or you can do a screen in a setting that has multiple stations with multiple helpers, and that way you can get through large groups potentially um, within a, a few hours or a day. And then what I do usually is I give myself some time to score the screens mm -hmm. so I can interpret what happened and I can sort of get what the group average is. And then I have a workshop. Everybody gets a printout of their screen results and the group starts to understand what was the average group so that they can start to see where do they fall into that group. Mm -hmm. We're mm -hmm. not trying to, to, to pull anyone out and make them an, an no example or anything <laughs> else, but yes, there is competition. And sometimes if, if people uh, didn't do so well, say on the aerobic test, then uh, maybe they're gonna be inspired to go forward. Mm -hmm. um, and so I do my, I talk about my dance screen in the results of an injury prevention workshop. Mm -hmm. And within that, I also want to educate them further about how do they prevent injuries, irrespective of what we just did in the screen. Um, we, I want it, but on the other hand, I want them to 
have some active learning experiences so that if they didn't do so well, say, in that aerobic test, um, I have them do a 10-minute HIT program with me. Mm -hmm. And when they are heaving, <laughs> they start to understand why I might be saying the things I'm saying. Right. <laughs> so that experiential thing component, I think, is really critical for dancers because they're kinesthetic learners. Yeah. They don't just, they're not going to benefit from just a PowerPoint. Right. They're also going to fall asleep. So if you want them to we take to away move. important information, I think that let's have them figure out that stretch. Let's have them see what that uh, strengthening exercise feels like. Mm -hmm. I think that can be very helpful for the message that you're trying to have come across. Absolutely. And then you're available here in the ALA school so they can come ask questions. Oh, absolutely. And they can are, are always encouraged to do follow-up further. Um, so, for instance, they may still have questions. Mm -hmm. So then that's an appointment so that they can come and interact with me. Excellent. Um, speaking of your students, let's talk a little bit about the school. Um, can you talk to us about the preseason intrinsic risk screen you use with them? Um, and can you tell us what you've included and maybe why and why that what might change for ballet dancers or hip hop dancers or different genres? Right now, unfortunately, I only get to screen the incoming BFA students, Bachelor of Fine Arts. Uh, we have a joint program with Fordham University. And so that's where I get my 30 to 40 dancers e e as freshmen. Mm -hmm. However, I will know those dancers really, really well because I teach them anatomy kinesiology the first year. And then I also will be seeing them in our injury clinics for the next four years. Right. And so that was the mainstay of that research. I wish I could screen them all. There's too many, mm -hmm. but I'm still working <laughs> on that idea. Anyway, so... Um, It'd be nice to have more in my screen, but I, uh, as it is, I've had to curl it, curtail it down a little bit. The main things I have are really good, what I call demographics and past medical history, so we know a little bit about their dance history, um, their exercise cross-training history, um, and again, because we know that uh, memory is is not always great we only really want to know their medical history for of injury for the past year that's the one i looked at mm -hmm. in my screen in my uh, research paper um, i also because i want to get a baseline and that's the wonderful thing about about a screen is you can get baseline data for going forward in prospective studies of injuries for instance right. i have them all fill out uh, an eat 26 which is about any looking at for any eating disorders and it's pretty reliable um, research uh, behind that. I have them fill out the Dance Functional Outcome Scale, which is, the call, I call it the DFOS, which we have now submitted the full paper looking at over 600 uh, dancers. Good. Anyway, it is uh, a questionnaire, an outcomes questionnaire that looks at dancers' ability to functional function in dance and in their activities of daily living. And so if we can get a, he a healthy baseline score for them when they come in and they have a major problem, we can see what is going on. But if they come in and they're already in a very low score, right. we got to look cl more closely. Right. So that's going to be a red flag right there. And then we also use the short form SF36, which is what we call a generic questionnaire, which has been used, uh, which has been translated into hundreds of languages and looked across all kinds of populations, mostly adults, um, from athletes to geriatric, uh, from healthy to uh, rheumatoid arthritis. So we have, oh, I can't even imagine millions of, of uh, uh, 
subjects that have taken done this study so mm -hmm. that we can start to know what's what's a healthy score mm -hmm. um, and it has a little bit of a psychological component which I think is is good because I think we need to know how whether there's any stressors that are going on in that manner in the dancer so that's what everybody does before they start the screen mm -hmm. then we come in and we do we look at baseline you know what is their blood pressure we look at height and weight, we do not do body fat. I don't want to emphasize this focus on, um, on, on looks. Uh, dancers are too aware of that already, so I don't go there. Um, we look at uh, resting heart rate. We do an aerobic uh, screen, which is called the accelerated step test, which basically uh, is looking at your one minute heart rate recovery. Um, and I have now looked at that in a lot of dancers, so I have some good data to say where where they rank when they're mm -hmm. when they're looking at that heart rate recovery. Do you mind if I just interject? Yes. So it's uh, you say accelerated step test, so it's different than the YMCA because YMCA is 96 beats per minute, but it you do 112. Yes, it's the yes, it's uh, the YMCA. We we bumped it up because when we started to investigate, we wanted to find something we could use in the dance studio. Mm -hmm. And my colleagues sometimes say, go use a treadmill. Well, you don't have a treadmill in a dance studio. Yeah. <laughs> Dancers mm -hmm. don't run that ne much necessarily. Dancers don't bike. Right. So a step test seemed a little more generic for what worked for them. Um, and so we, we upped the, the stress. Um, and then we started really just to collect the numbers to say then what is, what is the average we would expect. And uh, I think, and again, some arguments have been made that dance is is not just aerobic it has anaerobic and aerobic components and absolutely that's the case but i have to point out that some of our choreography for instance such as the ballet i use as an example the hunt by mm -hmm. robert battle mm -hmm. is 20 to 25 minutes of non-stop you don't stop the you go off stage long enough to maybe blow your nose and get back on mm -hmm. and so the first time a dancer runs through it Mm, they're ready. They're heaving so hard. They're ready to, you know, mm -hmm. puke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, if you don't have a strong cardiovascular underpinning, um, you're not going to make it through that. Right. And so, I, I, I think that when I first met dancers, when I first started treating dancers, when I was a dancer, mm -hmm. I didn't do cross training. Nobody knew what it was. I didn't do anything aerobic. Nobody knew you're supposed to do that. They get it now, and mm -hmm. so it, it's not such as a critical and message but it still needs to get out there to a lot of people anyway so that's my aerobic test um, we do a postural analysis that includes uh, the Adams forward bend which is a scoliosis screen we look at their turnout on on the floor and on rotation discs to see if they're forcing turnout um, we look for any other anomalies such as leg length discrepancies and shoulder heights and um, flat feet and things like that. We do a strength test of the lower extremity um, because we don't have time to do the whole body and because most dance injuries are to the lower extremity and mm -hmm. we also do a strength test for the abdominal area. We do a simple balance test. We do a flexibility uh, station where we're again focusing on the lower extremities. Um, we do a hypermobility test we do what else do we do we do a dance technique station mm -hmm. which is ballet based as i said earlier because especially in the younger ones a lot of when they come in for uh, an evaluation in our injury clinic a lot of the times if you can just tweak 
their alignment, you don't, got, you don't have to treat them. Mm-hmm. In which case, there's, there's our important, important clue. Um, what else is there? I think, I think you got everything. I think I got it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're very efficient, too. I'm efficient? Yeah, I what? think so. <laughs> <laughs> in your screening, because you have all the, you have multiple stations and um, multiple helpers, and you can get people in and out pretty quickly. Yeah, I try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that comes from a lot of years of tweaking. <laughs> now, you know, am, I'm going to tweak it again, though. Yeah. Um, for instance, I found that I'm not happy with um, my strength station, mm-hmm. and I have decided that I'm going with handheld dynamometry, and I need to do... I need to do research to establish dance, dancer norms mm-hmm. for strength mm-hmm. so that we can know what's going on. Right. So then that we can bring that in to correlate it to see if there's anything with respect to prediction or other things. Right, because without that, what can you tell a dancer? Yeah, yeah. so one of you part of my new research study? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so we've Ooh. talked about the intrinsic risk screen, which is what you just went over, um, all the elements of the dancer and what they come to the table with. We've talked about your injury. Um, reporting, but uh, you also mentioned in some of your work um, extrinsic risk assessment. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, extrinsic risks are some of the things we can't necessarily control. Mm-hmm. Where, what are you dancing on? If you're going to go and perform in a cathedral on marble, <laughs> that is a huge risk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if your dance studio doesn't have sprung floors, that's another risk. You know, when I remember, I'll never forget our company was performing in Central Park and it, the temperature was 95. Oof. And I went backstage before curtain and nobody was talking, nobody was moving. And I went, oh uh, my uh. goodness, I'm in trouble. Um, it was so hot, they didn't want it. And this is a company that is vivacious. Mm-hmm. They are always, you know, well, they're usually warming up to get ready, but nobody wanted to expend any energy. <laughs> I went out front for the, the performance to start, and they took places, and they were standing in pools of sweat and hadn't even moved yet. Oh and no. I went, oh, my God, either they're going to have dehydration and I'm going to have to take them to the emergency yeah, room, or somebody's going to slip and, f- and fall and sprain their ankle. Yeah. So uh, luckily, none of these things happened, oh. but... Uh, I screwed up. There was no Gatorade backstage. Mm-hmm. The produ- the promoters had nothing. So again, electrolyte replacement is critical in these kinds of uh, yeah. situations. They all had water. I mean, they they know to hydrate. But in those kinds of cases, which are extreme, you've got to think a little bit outside of the box. And I I'm my bad. I'll never do that again. So. Um, Extrinsic are may also be just the amount of time on task mm-hmm. when you're in that rehearsal. Um, how many, uh, oh, I remember at, uh, one of the BFA classes, we're learning, we're, we're in a new choreography that was basically nothing but jumping, and it was um, in one of the studios that had a harder floor because it's where our black box theater is, and they had to reinforce it for the chairs. Mm. And the choreographer would not let them wear sneakers. Oh no! I can't tell tell you how many shin splints I was seeing, yeah. but that was an extrinsic risk factor of the 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 activity they were doing. Mm-hmm. So, Whew. okay. So you have to weigh these two. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about what is in your in- injury surveillance program. Well, I have two different things. I mean, it depends whether, again, I'm looking at the 
school mm-hmm. or if I'm looking at the company. Mm-hmm. Um, for the company, um, we have because we have a, a different setup of how many hours we're covering. For instance, um, in Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater, which I call Ailey One, mm-hmm. uh, which is now 32 dancers, when they are on the road or in the theater, they have they often perform six days a week, and that may be eight performances a week, and we are there for five hours of physical therapy time, and we often are covering the performance in case something happens. Mm-hmm. Um, when they are in rehearsal, because they just are usually called for t- more time than they can get to us, we have four hours per day, and that's usually Monday through Friday, five days a week. Um, if they sustain an injury, so we've got a whole protocol that we've written up over the years, and the dancers, when they come on board as new dancers, we give them a little orientation. Mm-hmm. So if they sustain something that they think might be an injury, they are they come down and fill out an injury report, and we evaluate them to determine whether we think they need to be referred to our company orthopedist, or whether um, this we'll, we'll just watch it, and we can just handle it as more of the complaint level. Right. Um, then um, we will obviously enter that into our database. Um, We know the amount of what I call exposure of every dancer for every year, and Mm -hmm. that's a critical number also that I think people are not keeping track of within reporting injuries Mm -hmm. in dance medicine. Exposure means how much time on task. So if a dancer is... um, in rehearsal right as they are right now mm-hmm. which was is five days a week and they're here from 12 to 7 with an hour break for lunch that's six hours so that's 30 hours plus they usually they take an, uh, an hour and a half technique class so you're going to add that on as exposure to dance now we don't count as exposure their travel time this is exactly way the way the ncaa or professional sports would would count and calculate exposure mm-hmm. So then we can calculate the total number of exposure hours that that dancer has for the given year because we know their travel schedule, we know their performance schedule, we know their rehearsal schedule, and I keep track of all of that. Um, The stage manager will tell me every week I get a report. We're going to know overtime. We're going to know everything that happened. We're going to know who was out for sickness. Mm -hmm. And then we are going to know if somebody then is taken out of dance because we referred them on and how many days they've missed. But we can double check ourselves because they're also in that stage manager report. So we have multiple backups. I'm a very in, very into redundancy, so I can make sure that I'm getting the correct numbers. Because unless I know my exposure, I can't calculate my injury rates per thousand right. hours of dance. Right. So I, I think that's really, really important. And there's a, an, another controversy within the dance medicine ongoing discussion of how do we, do we report per thousand hours of dance or per exposure? That's what I was going to ask about. <laughs> <laughs> and what does that mean? Well, if you are on a team... If you are uh, in the NFL, you either have a practice day or you have a game day. You never have the same mm-hmm. thing. On, uh, you never have both on the same day. That's not true in dance. If we are having our New York City performances, they may start their rehearsals at 1 p.m., but they've still got a curtain at 8 p.m. that will probably come down at 10 or 10.30. And so... I would prefer to count that as the number of hours of rehearsal and the number of hours of performance that they had because what if Sally had a 30-minute rehearsal but Dan had 
to two-hour rehearsal. What does that mean? Right. So one had two exposures and one had one exposure, but they're not equal. So uh, to me, the hours are the critical time on task mm -hmm. that gives me the information that I feel I need. Yeah. So I hope that clarifies. Yes, that absolutely <laughs> does. <laughs> Thanks. I think that injury surveillance, what we also keep track of is we know what new ballets have come in. Mm -hmm. We know the rehearsal schedule. So we know who's cast in, in which ballets. Now ballet is a term that's used for all kinds of choreography. Our company does hip hop, we do West African, we do um, very traditional Horton choreography, we do, uh, you might call it more contemporary, we do it all. And I think that's that, that diversity is probably one of the things that actually has a very healthy effect mm -hmm. because they're not doing any so much overuse of only one thing like say ballet, ballet. dancer always in point shoes. Mm -hmm. But we can then start to track is are, are people even at the compla complaint level coming downstairs and all complaining about their knees hurt or something like that. And usually, w as soon as a new choreographer comes in, we're upstairs trying to get a feel for what the choreography mm -hmm is and mind you we have the dancers pretty well trained now but if for some reason nobody has their knee pads on and they're all falling on their knees we're going to make sure we're putting knee pads on so that's the prevention aspect of things mm -hmm. but also um, we can track this to sort of see if there are trends and uh, to the patterns that we may be developing excellent and is there ever a dialogue with the choreographers too when they come in about any type of injury prevention or this is what i'm seeing a lot downstairs um, I usually am having that dialogue with either the rehearsal director or the associate director who's sort of the commonality between the dancers and the, and is sort of the, the, the inter person between the dancers and that choreographer. I don't always get to talk to the choreographer right, uh, directly. Um, but then they're not going to be with us on the long run. It's these other people that are going to be looking out and, and, and knowing how healthy they are or aren't and wanting to know, you know, what they can do. Right. Um, and um, the company's really great in the sense that um, they'll let them put their sneakers on. Um, they'll let them put those knee pads on. And if somebody has to stand in the back and, and mark for a while, they get it. And, and we also have some wonderful studio spaces in the sense that we have a double studio. So if we have a double cast, people can be in the back learning it simultaneously. Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of room in that back area if you need to be marking and not doing things full mm -hmm. out because you're coming back from something or you just need to calm down t your body a little bit, things of that sort. We don't have that luxury in the school, unfortunately. Right. We, we try, but um, it's, it's not because they're students and they're trying to help them figure it all out. We, we don't know them as well. Mm -hmm. We don't have that direct communication always as quickly. Um, so I think it's safe to say you, you're in a pretty awesome situation where you can, you know, look at cohorts of dancers going forward. They could come upstairs to see you if they need to. Um, but I think it's safe to say that many dancers don't have access to screens um, and injury surveillance programs like the one you have here at Ailey. Um, so would you or how would you suggest dancers who don't have access to screens remedy this? I think that if you're a really organized dancer at a school, see if you can partner with a therapist to start something. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did a lot of freebie uh, uh, lectures and other things initially when I was starting out. 
and I my first screens um, before that I got my official one was I you know I did a freebie in my clinic and they came to me and then later on Ailey said well we, we want to do this you know we, and then and then we started a whole in-house thing but yeah you, know, you got to convince them mm -hmm. uh, as a physical therapist so uh, I think that if a dancer can find um, somebody in their town who has an interest they don't even necessarily the physical therapist doesn't even necessarily have to be a dance medicine specialist mm -hmm. if they are good at orthopedic physical therapists and willing to learn mm -hmm. um, I have physical therapists who work for me who are not dancers f formerly but when they came as students I made them take class <laughs> so um, you can learn quickly right so I think that 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 marriage is probably the most important way to, I would recommend to go. Mm -hmm. Or even, what do you think about just a dancer one-on-one um, -on -one going to seek out a physical therapist to just have a general screen of their own individual Absolutely. well-being? Yeah. Great. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Well, I have recently uh, developed uh, a, an online continuing ed series with MedBridge um, that is on my pre-season, pre-professional dance screen, parts one and part two, which we're just in post-production. So hopefully if people are interested in learning how I do some of the screen, there's not every single test on there, but most of them. Mm -hmm. um, they can look into that if they're interested. Awesome, great resource. And um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, I know you mentioned before the Adam Center website, which is www.adamcenter.net. And what can they find on that website? They can find out how to get in touch with me by email. I post most of my articles. Not sure if 2018 articles are there. Mm -hmm. um, there's some interesting movies. Oh, I have a five-minute dance warm-up that I have posted on YouTube. Just mm -hmm. look up my last name, Bronner, and look that up, and you will find it. We got so frustrated with dancers not warming up. Yep equating warm-up with with stretching which it's not, not. <laughs> that I said okay look at how much you can do in five minutes so some of the company now uses that as part of their warm-up <laughs> which I love <laughs> yes um and thank you so much for joining us and for sharing all of your wisdom I really appreciate it it was my pleasure yep take care bye-bye bye on behalf of Ellie and myself I, Marissa Schaefer, want to say thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on this episode of Dancewell Podcast. Like what you hear? Go to iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud and search Dancewell Podcast and subscribe. You can also view all of our episodes and learn more about this podcast by visiting our website at www.dancewellpodcast.com. We wouldn't be where we are without generous contributions from you, our listeners. Your contributions help us pay for SoundCloud memberships, website fees, and upgrades, and our recording technology. If you too would like to make a contribution to DanceWell, please follow the link in the description of this podcast to visit our GoFundMe page. We thank you in advance for your support. And lastly, if you have questions or want to get in touch, email us at dancewellpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you.